0: With Medical Memory recording hundreds of thousands of patients with their HIPAA compliant mobile app, we felt it was relevant to start discussing the best practices in patient communication, especially now that so many providers are recording these patient interactions with video. My name is Julie and I've spent 15 years working with physicians to strengthen their communication skills. Listen in as we learn tips from the industry's best inpatient experience. How can we strengthen these patient and family conversations and help our nurses and providers optimize their time? Especially now that the camera is on. So quiet on the set, roll camera. This is scene one, take one, patient. Now, action. All right. Hi, my name is Julie, and I'm excited about our next episode of Take One Patient. Uh, I'm here with uh, Louis Stout, who is working with Providence Hospital System um, and is a uh, retired Army officer. And I think one of the really cool things that I have learned about his experience and in our conversation um, is how diverse his perspective is um, with other communities, with other cultures, um, and really brings a lot of insight of how the military sometimes faces the challenges that marketed hospitals do, and how they perceive these things different. So I'm very excited to have him on on our episode today, Louis. If you want to kind of briefly introduce yourself, and then we'll kind of just dive in a little bit on on kind of these these this insight that you that you have.
1: Yeah, Julie. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh... Yeah, I was in the military. I was in the Army for uh, 30 years uh, and retired last year and uh, now work for Providence uh, Healthcare System. Um, as I was going through uh, college, I was uh, offered uh, a scholarship, uh, which I thought would be uh, a good way to pay for school. And uh, I thought, hey, okay, sure. that's something I'll, I'll try for a couple of years. I can, I can do that. And I thought, oh, then I'll, I'll go get a real job. Uh, and so my contract was for four years and Four became 10, and 10 became 20, and next thing I knew it was um, 30 years, uh, which is a mandatory retirement for, for the military, and um, it was a, an amazing opportunity, and just, uh, yeah, so many different things uh, that I had the opportunity to do, and uh, uh, just a, a, a great experience uh, to really, really build on and, and build a network and, and see healthcare from a lot of different uh, perspectives.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's I think one of the things that was very unique about our conversations and unique about you was really seeing kind of a lot of these different perspectives. Um if you were gonna kind of start by by first of all, I mean you were you're forced to retire um after 30 years, but I, I remember you saying, you know, I felt like I had still so much to give, and that's when you went more into the private sector or public sector, I guess you'd say. Um, what's some of the things that right off the bat that you that you saw? Um, that from your experience in the military that you could bring um, to the hospital systems that you're working with now?
1: I think what was most intriguing to me is really the experience, you know, nursing from uh, a lot of different areas, uh, different countries and, and how they, they viewed it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of areas in the world where, you know, nurses is not really something that they have, you know, as we would define it. Um, you know, there's a there's a military um, agreement. Uh, you know, among some of some of the countries, um, Australia, Britain, Canada, uh, the U.S., uh, New Zealand. Uh, you know, where we define nurse in, in the same way, and in the, the military, that we can exchange nurses, doctors, because we've agreed that we have the same uh, standard, same definition of it. But so it was really interesting to be in areas of the Middle East and and Egypt and um, South Africa and and working with them and just see how they approach nursing. Uh, Some is very similar. And then in a lot of areas, you know, they don't have what we would look at as a nurse. They have doctors uh, and then they have, you you know, people that that work in the hospital and the the family is used a lot as the, uh, as kind of that nursing role. Um, in some areas, they actually have to find their own medical supplies and, and bring them, uh, or do uh, some of the, the procedures uh, themselves, which is which is obviously very interesting and, and very different from our our Western approach to to nursing. You know, as we've looked at it from you know Florence Nightingale through through the present and, and our approach to healthcare from a nursing perspective, it's just uh, yeah. can still be very different in uh, in areas of the world,
0: and that's interesting. Interesting that you, you know, had kind of mentioned, I had never thought about that, is that that role that we've defined isn't, isn't there. So how, does, how did you find that really change the communication style of some of those providers to family members who weren't necessarily updating them, but sometimes really educating them about what they, they needed to do? I mean, did it become more of a, a teacher mindset as much as a doctor's mindset? Or how did these, how would people know where, where to go uh, to kind of help support their family member?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of it is um I, I i think it's more of a probably more of a perspective that we had um you know in the us looking back you know you know 100 years uh, you know it was more uh, the family was was more directly involved you know you had the you had the hometown physician and you know if you look back to before the us had you know nursing schools nursing programs before that was really established um as a um an area of healthcare. Uh, it's it was more that just traditional of you know working directly with the family, um, and you know when the patient was discharged, you know they they went home who and that's who continued the care. Uh, I think we just have a, a different healthcare system uh, in in Western culture that's yeah. um, some some frozen and there's probably some downsides to it as well. You know there's there's just uh, probably less of an approach of, you know, healthcare at home, um, which is, is now becoming more of a, of a current trend, you know, at, at Providence, you know, we, we've started a program of hospital at home. Uh, and I know there's, there's a lot of, um, different healthcare systems that have Similar ones. Some are more developed, where healthcare can actually be delivered um, at home, uh, and you know, a, a step beyond just the the home nurse, uh, you know, coming in for for a home visit. Uh, where now you know, it's becoming more robust in in the clinical care that is uh, provided uh, in in the home setting. Um, yeah. And certainly, there's there's some a uh, very interesting perspective to that um yeah. some opportunities there uh, so we'll have to see how it develops
0: yeah well and it's interesting too because one of the pieces um even in our technology for medical memory that we're building out is a, a family a family share app where it makes it a lot easier for patients to download the videos onto their phone with the focus of i want to be able to share this information with my family because there are a lot of the times they're the ones that are starting to take care of me, or going to help me heal, or help me, you know, kind of get back to square one. And so it's interesting, like we've come a little full circle. Of although we have these pieces, is a lot of family members and patients are craving that information. Of well, I want to be a part of it, and I want to help, and I want to make sure everything's, you know, good too. Um, that is kind of necessitating the need for for easier access to that information to to be given, you know, to family members. So. Um, that's an interesting kind of perspective. What other things did you find, kind of, some um, in your travel, in the way that, that that different cultures even perceived um, this, perceived their role as a physician or, or how they went about, you know, healing, if you will. One of uh, the one and the reason I'm like I'm leading you, really, like, what is one of the things I remember you mentioning was um one of the communities that you were in, have they have really had more of a perspective of sitting back and watching versus kind of diving right in where Western medicine really does? Or or some of those things that you started to see um just their perspective on how they approached uh that was different.
1: Yeah, I think you know one of the stories that, that um I shared with you was you know having um you know, I taught for a little while uh, you know trauma nursing in, in South Africa and they they gave us some opportunities to go to uh, some of the local uh, facilities. And it was was interesting to see, you know, private hospital versus a public hospital and and just, you know, happen to be in in that country. Uh, You know, I I saw the same thing when I was in in Greece and and working with the the NATO countries that were there. Uh, Just, they have a different, you know, healthcare structure or or different approaches uh, to the delivery of healthcare. And one of the things that I observed in... You know, in the public facility, and, and this one, like I said, happened to be in South Africa. Was you know they had over forty traumas per day. You know, true traumas that, that were brought in. It was a you know a large facility, over a thousand bed uh, hospital, and they said, "Oh, you, you know, we have we have one coming in now. Do you want to uh, observe?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I really want to see their approach to it." Yeah. And what what I realized later, after I kind of reflected on it, um, watching them, it was it was almost silent the, um, the team approached the bed, you know, they all knew their roles. Uh, it was a small team uh, and they knew what each of their roles were uh, and they didn't, they didn't see the need to, you know, verbalize it as they were doing it or, or really be loud or demonstrative, which, um, as, as I got back to the U S and started working with other teams, it just, it struck me as, as how, um, robust it can be at times and, 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 in some ways, disruptive. In in this case, where you know the the trauma f- provider was assessing the patient, they were doing their head to toe assessment and they were they were talking it uh, and speaking it, and the transcriber who was some distance away was able to just listen and hear exactly what the provider was saying um, and take all the notes down. And then at that time, another trauma came in, and the other team approached and and they were a few bays down and, and doing their assessment and. Uh, they were also just having a, a quiet conversation and assessing the trauma patient. Um, and, and they were just is, uh, you know, having been in the military and, and worked with uh, different um, groups in the military, you know, there's, there's groups that we refer to as, you know, the quiet professionals where, you know, they're just, they go about their job. They know what needs to be done and there's not really a need to display it or talk about it. It's just, they, they know their roles Um and it reminded me of when I was, you know, riding on an ambulance years ago when I was in nursing school, and that team that I happened to ride with all the time, they they did the exact same thing. They at the beginning of each shift, they said, "Okay, hey, if we get the big one, um, here here's here's the roles. Okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and at if any time you know somebody is um, doing what is your job, you just." There, there was a word. It was, it was, it was actually really funny. I'll never forget it. It was you know, quite some time ago, but they had a word. They said it was and I was Like, okay, what is that? Like, it's absolutely nothing. It means nothing. But yeah. if anybody is ever doing what you see is your job, you say that, and we all know what it means and we know to readjust and and get back in our role. Um, It was, it was a great approach to it. Everybody knew what their, their role would be, even though, you know, you had either, you know, two medics or three medics. Um, It, it didn't matter. You, you knew what, what your job was going to be. If you know, you went into that trauma scenario, which is um, not the time to try to be figuring it out.
0: Yeah. And that's interesting is really um, taking the opportunity to know that the the few words that are spoken or the person speaking at the time is with intention and purpose and, and feeling a lot of trust that, okay, that's where that, that falls and this is where I fall and um, that's you unique perspective. Uh, do you feel like kind of as far as like, is that consistent and in, in more of a, a military approach versus in your experience kind of being, you know, chief nursing officer in, in, the, in the army before kind of going into a private sector? What are other things that you see are really kind of different between the military and, and that?
1: I've really realized that you know healthcare is is essentially the same no matter where you are um you right. know, healthcare is healthcare so it like it's,
0: it's, <laughs>
1: it's universal you know it, illness is the same you know trauma is uh, all, you know very similar um it it, it really doesn't matter You know, gender, race, whatever country that you live in, uh, disease, disease, you know, as we see with the pandemic uh, in this particular case, you know, COVID-19, unlike other uh, recent viruses, you know, from the past 15, 20 years that have, you know, kind of stayed in one area. This one has uh, been able to go everywhere around the world from, you know, hot areas to cold areas um, and, regardless of uh, gender or religion or or whatever you want to look at it's it's you know been um had an equal effect on on everyone um and so it, to you know include the military it, for the past couple of years of the pandemic i was in a you know military hospital and it it had nothing to do with base we were on or you know we were a federal or and, and they were a civilian organization it was it was the same no matter what and and we really had to have have the same approach
0: right well and, the, and that was um is kind of you know my perspective and I don't know much about much <laughs> but is is kind of more of of like the structure that sometimes happens um kind of consistently across the board versus more um, when you're seeing kind of like, uh, innovative hospitals or teaching hospitals versus more of that standardization or structure, you know, like I, am not, I, my perception, I mean, I don't, again, no, but would be that, that maybe the way that kind of you would go about solving some of the challenges that are being addressed might be a little bit different, or is that kind of the, the false misconception of most, you know, civilians that have never no really been in that world.
1: Uh, you know, definitely in the military, I think we spend a lot more time, uh, preparing for, you know, disaster, uh, management, disaster response, uh, mass casualty situations. Yeah. You know, we, we spend a lot more of our time training for that, uh, because yeah. that, that's, those are the environments that we, we go into, uh, sure. and where it could occur, um, and has occurred, um, much more frequently in, in those areas, um. So I, I, I think our approach from that perspective can be different. Um, and we are more likely to put a lot more people towards a, a situation in the military. Um, and it's just you know just been my impression of it you know, as yeah. far as being in a, a remote area um, yeah. i spent a lot of time doing burn care um and uh, the department of defense has one burn center uh which is in san antonio and, and looking back through their history there, i was actually um it, I, amazed to find out that in um you know in the 1980s they, they sent a burn team to uh russia because there was a, a large uh, uh Disaster that happened it actually happened to be a, a train uh, accident that occurred mm-hmm. you know with a, a propane um, train uh you know tank exploded and a lot of burn yeah. casualties and and the yeah. military actually sent an entire burn team there into you know in the peak of the Cold War into yeah. uh, ufa russia as as a response mm-hmm. um and so you know the, we we prepare to not only practice our crafts you know in a fixed facility but then anywhere that that we need to take it um. Right. Uh, that's how that, communication
0: becomes key. Is because you're not in your space. Like that's your comfort space. You know, you're not in the same operating room where you have all your stuff. You have to rely more on. Well, how do we manage the chaos? You know.
1: Yeah, when the you know burn flight team, I I spent years doing uh, transports back and forth. Um, you know, transoceanic uh, long distance transports, and I I did. You know, that was one of the things that I I reflected on. I said, you know, now I know I know what I know um you know when you're in the back of an aircraft somewhere over the Atlantic and it's you and your team it's either either you have it or you don't so if you didn't bring it you better figure it out yeah. and and what I realized was the the best piece of equipment was you know uh, between your ears uh, and if you brought that with you then that that's where it has to start so yeah. um whatever equipment's in the in the box, you know that's good that you have it but it starts with you know your training um and the team that you have with you um, that's that's really the the most important part of it and being where you practice your craft um yeah it, it can be yeah. somewhat irrelevant at, at times
0: yeah huh that's really interesting that's really interesting in the perspective of of i never really thought that that yeah i mean you're kind of you're, you're relying really on what you have with you and, and the team that's around you. And I think that's where that, that communication element or that team communication element becomes, um, so much more thoughtful because you, you don't have the luxury of excess, <laughs> you know what I mean? Extra space or things or time or equipment, or, you know, you have to kind of, uh, be focused on what you're doing, especially in a trauma type situation. Yeah, now, you know, do, you, do you miss that like, part of you? Like, do you miss kind of those, <laughs> the time you spent over there and, or like time you spent doing that now that you are in one local place, or are you kind of leaning more into taking kind of some of that experience into what you're doing now?
1: I, I do. Do I miss it? Yes. I, you know, I, I enjoyed obviously doing it, uh, for years, but, um, it, It builds up over time, you know. And after you know years of doing, um, you know, back-to-back deployments and and, and missions, and and even even teaching, you know, as I I was teaching, you know, all around the United States, and then you know we we went to other countries as well, um, which which was fantastic. But um, but you can only do that, uh, you know, for so long as well. So there's there's some positivity to be in. in in one place, you know, for yeah. for myself, for my family, um, yeah. there's yeah. there's some goodness to that, but um, and, and also being able to uh, share those experiences, uh, you know, not necessarily to sit and you know tell stories, uh, you, know, hey, well, they, you know, there I was, but it's it's to have a different perspective. So oh. as as a discussion comes up, you say, well, you know, here's here's something to consider. Um, and you just, you know, kind of a different thought process uh, or a different approach towards it um, might give you a different solution that you would not necessarily have considered. And I'm, I'm certainly, I learned from all those that I work with as well of, you know, things that work or more importantly, th- things that don't work. And like, okay, you know, here, we, we tried that, you know, five years ago. It was not successful. Um, let's not, let's not go down that, that path again. Right. Great. Good, good to know. Got it let's move on, take that one off the table. Let's, let's see, um, you know, what, uh, what might be, um, you know, successful.
0: Right. No, absolutely. And really, I mean, definitely leaning and learning on that, on a different perspective of how it's approached and, and all of that. Absolutely. Well, that's, and, and so that being said is, is what, what, what do you find are kind of um, some of the things that, that when you are giving a different perspective or wanting to think about it different or, or even giving advice to people that are starting to say, hey, we want to kind of think about this pr- problem different or how we're going to approach um, even trauma in their own spaces. What are, what are some of the things that you really um, leverage or have learned in your experience that would be useful for someone else um, kind of facing a, something overwhelming? The, forgetting their tool between their brains, I guess, as you said, or,
1: or that. I, I think there was, you know, I had a lot of opportunities um, uh, and and certainly going through some of the, the senior, um, you know, healthcare executive courses that, that the military has was was really to force you to think. And actually, I had uh, one instructor who um this was, you know, very purposeful, he, he, and it was the approach was what else? Uh, so, you know, the military, I think, yeah, for many years, always was fighting the last war. So, you know, they they looked back and said, okay, here's here's what we learned going through that experience, and and here's how we can avoid that, and that's that that's okay. That's that's good uh, on one level, uh, and then there's a lot time spent saying, okay, what's going on? So looking at what's what's currently going on. But um, I I had some really good coursework where they said, okay, well, what else is happening? Well, what do you mean? So let's let's talk about, we got it. We know what has happened. We know what's currently going on. Everybody's looking at that. Everybody's engaged in it. But what else is going on that might be the next thing? Yeah. Uh, and, and that really helped, uh, you know, frame the mindset of, um being more of a, of a, a thoughtful thinker uh, to you know for other considerations and, and yeah. I've I found that that has really helped with looking for solutions you're like okay I that that's good you know we we, we have what we have yeah. uh, we have what what has worked or what hasn't worked and then what else can we consider and yeah. so there's been you know a few things just you know recently in, in my new role I can say okay well got it but you know what else? who else could we bring to the team that might give us the support that could um, offer a little bit better solution or make us more efficient? Um, And it's, it's not, it's not limited to, you know, being a nurse and and looking at your nursing assets. That's, that's obviously one thing, but it's your, external support and every the ancillary services that help relieve the pressure for the nurses to um, work, function at their highest scope of their practice. So when you don't have your ancillary support, when you don't have the other areas covered as also, then that means that your nurses are doing their job and and as well as um, other jobs as well. So, as a healthcare executive, a lot of times what, you know, I've spent a lot of time doing is saying, okay, I got it. We, we need nurses always, you know, it's we're always looking for more, but yeah. maybe we need to put more of our organizational resources um, into another area that would actually r- relieve a lot of the pressure that the nurses have also taken on a yeah. lot of the additional duties that they've taken on so that they can focus on, on their craft. Um, yeah. and then, and, and those people also can, can focus on their craft uh, yeah. because, uh, y- you know, it, I used to talk to, you know, a lot of my, um, counterparts in the military and they're like, well, you know, you, we need to reduce the healthcare numbers. So we're just, gonna you know, cut the numbers. I said, well, you, could you drive a tank with only half of a tank crew? And yeah. like, oh no, no, you, you could never do that. I said, exactly. Yeah. Well, so you can't, you can't just put one person or two people in a tank and say, you know, go. It takes a, a, an entire tank crew and they have, they have an entire process that they need to go through to be certified. Yeah. Um, and they understand that. So when you, you say that to them, it's like an OR team. I can't go in there with just a surgeon and just an anesthesiologist. That's great, but that's only part of the team. Yeah. If I don't have the nurses, if I don't have the circulators, if I don't have housekeeping, if I don't have everyone else that's part of that team, then one, we're not going to be efficient. And two, we we probably can't do the surgical case if we don't have a complete team. Yeah. So yeah. our hospital teams are very diverse and, and it takes it, it takes everyone to be part of that process.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love even what you just said that like there, and it kind of goes back to your experience when you were saying, hey, like, the nurse has really been defined here. Um, but a lot of times, as you are relying on family or, or people outside of that. But even when you were just saying, okay, for this surgery to be successful, it, I, everyone's mind, I was like, okay, the doctor and the anesthesiologist. But no, it's the, also the you know housekeeping and every every piece that's a part of like that whole part that's making this whole thing you know run efficiently. And I, I that's um, I've never really heard someone kind of allude to that that the whole piece and not only just that medical part of it. Um, cause even if, with some of the nurses we work with, they love the patient care of it. Sometimes it's more the administrative tasks that start to really wear on them. So the solution always is that let's get more, let's get more, let's get more. It, as you said, um, let's take a step back. What else, what else can we How can We just look at this difference. It's interesting. It's very, it's very, um, that's very interesting. A lot of experience. <laughs> there. So great. Well, um, that being. Means- said, is there anything else? I've stolen your time for, for 25 minutes. You are so intelligent and have so much experience in this space. I could learn from your stories, as I'm sure most of your team and, and network really like, but is there anything else you kind of want to add uh, that you think might be useful for anyone really starting to kind of take this perspective of, of yours and, and how they're addressing patient communication and, and their, their own teams?
1: I think I'm smart enough to know that uh, I've been had been blessed to work with very smart people, you know, through through the years. Um, and you know, a lot of what I've been able to share, they're like, "Oh, that, where'd you come up with that?" I'm like, I, "Actually, I, I did come up with it." So I, was, you know, I've, I work with very really smart people <laughs> who, who've had some brilliant solutions, um, and you know, I've had the opportunity to see um, a, a lot of a lot of what works um, and be able to just be smart enough to to pass that on uh, and share that with others. And it it makes a difference. And we know, you know, staff um, satisfaction is, you know, is directly tied to patient satisfaction. So, you know, being a healthcare executive, you know, the role is to look at resources and say, okay, what else can I do to bring resources uh, to you so that you can be more efficient at, at your job um and that we can all strive for the the best uh, patient outcomes because that's yeah. that's ultimately a, is our goal yeah. um and, and that's not that's not always easy uh, to to find those resources or to find those solutions but um we we keep looking um and in the military what we say is you're you're always trying to improve your foxhole so wherever you are wherever you're you uh, you're dug in that yeah. you, you're always just trying to make it better. You know, what, yeah. whatever that is, uh, you just keep, you keep working on it. Uh, yeah. There's, it, there's, sometimes, you know, it feels there's never an end to it, but, but that's good because you, you always want to be growing in your craft and, and growing in your practice.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today um, and, and for your service and everything that you've kind of done there. Um, Yeah. And I just, th- thanks again for for having us. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And cut. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Take One Patient. We hope you have a nugget or two you can implement into your practice with your patients today. For more information about recording your visits with a HIPAA compliant app, go to www.themedicalmemory.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Julie Recording Doctors. Thanks again.